0: Hello, and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Dillman. And I'm Stephen Craig. And so this week, we're going to be talking about our stupid, simple, or is it simple stupid? Super stupid power super supply. Super stupid powerful supply. Yeah. And uh, so why don't you first introduce our, what what we want to do with
1: this power supply. So, okay, let's, uh, let's take a step back and look at kind of... The uh, the way that Parker and I uh, kind of envision things. So we sit next to each other at work, and we just pass ideas by each other all day long. And you know, I would say something like ninety percent of ideas are just absolutely stupid, which is fantastic. I love that. And uh, but we we have been wanting a power supply for our bench. And of course, when you start talking about a power supply, you start you know putting together what you want the the requirements. Yeah, spec wise. Yeah, the specs. And, of course, it just keeps growing and getting bigger (laughs) and having more features and doing more and more ridiculous stuff. So we ended up uh, creating kind of a beast of a power supply, at least in our heads. And so now we're trying to set forth and actually make something. Yeah, make something that at
0: least meets most of the specs. We do have a Riggle 380, whatever it
1: is. Yeah, I can't remember. It's a, what is it, three channel... Thirty volt max. Yeah. Fifteen amp. Yeah, the one that has. Oh, no, the, it five uh, amp? I can't remember. The the dial indicator option on the front. Yeah,
0: you, you, it makes it look like a like a speedometer in a in a car. When you press the button, it's a little silly, but it's a really good power supply. Yeah, um, yeah, we've been we've been real happy with it so far. Um, but the problem is it only goes up to thirty volts. I think it's five amps per channel.
1: Uh, you know, each it's three amps for. For both the 30 volts, and then it's 5 amps for the 5, five volt. volt. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which is pretty typical, actually.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty beefy supply, and it weighs, yeah it, it weighs enough to bend the shelf it's on. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we want to basically make a, uh, a more powerful power supply, and also be able to do um, kind of like high-powered signals as well with it, um, basically be able to output low-voltage AC and that kind of stuff as well.
1: Yeah, so one of the ideas that that came up is is more like what if what if you have a DC coupled power amplifier effectively basically so so what if you can uh, basically output a DC with an AC wave riding on top at 10 amps or yeah. something like yeah. that you know? <laughs> so just just an absolute beast and uh, and so uh, we uh, well actually you found this really cool op amp so how did you find this op amp well, okay, so, so occasionally what I'll do is I'll just get on Mauser, DigiKey, or one of the big guys, and I'll just go look for the most ridiculous thing I can find. Like, go to the resistors and go filter everything. Like, what's the biggest resistor oh, out there? Or most expensive. Yeah, or most expensive. Like, just for fun. You just kind of thought experiment kind of stuff. So I did that with, with op-amps one day. I was like, what's what's the biggest, beefiest op-amp I can find? And uh, I stumbled across the OPA-541 made by uh, Burr Brown. Um, and this
0: thing. is... Well, I think it's also. Um, I think TI. Well, it says T at the bottom. Oh my bad. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. On the sheet so here, it says
0: Burr Brown from Texas from In- Texas Instrument. I so guess I, I
1: guess Burr Brown did the design, and Texas Instrument bought it out or something. Or Texas Instrument just bought Burr Brown. I mean, Could they be? typically do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Burr Brown actually has a bunch of, of uh, uh, really good chips. They uh, they're pretty well known for for their quality. So so. I was looking through this op-amp, and what basically it's almost an all-in-one package. It's the, the, the tail end of an amplifier, I guess you could say. The thing that's crazy about it is it works just like a regular op-amp, but its output capa- uh, capacity is just obscene. It's, it, it has rails that you can, you can take all the way up to 40 volts. Uh, in fact, the supply voltage po- uh, negative to positive is 80 volts on this thing. Uh, and its output is uh, up to 10 amps, I believe, uh, with a power dissipation of 125 watts in a 220 wide package, uh, or a TO220 wide yeah, package. Yeah, the 125 watt uh, internal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so so it's it started scratching my head. It, it, it seems like... We might just be able to use this chip and get almost everything yes. we want out of it. Because, like I said, it works like a regular op amp, so you can just apply feedback and get gain right from right there. the output. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just putting a, a signal into the input, there you go. You got you have your your capability of doing high current, high power output almost directly from a micro.
0: Yeah. And actually, reading the, the, the feature list, mm-hmm. um, the best thing about it says, Industry Standard Pinout. I... Is there an industry standard printout, pinout for uh, op amps, uh, or is it just Burr Brown's
1: industry standard <laughs> pinout? <laughs> you know, when 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 you look at like a single and dual package op amps, they are there. There is an industry standard with yeah. that, but uh, but for this TO220 11 pin package, I'm sure there's not a standard. Yeah, especially for forty watt, uh, one hundred twenty
0: five watts. Yeah, and speaking of hundred twenty five watts. Um, we're gonna have to sink that somehow, and either it's gonna be big copper heat sinks, or we could just water cool the some the
1: the sucker. Water cool would be fun. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm actually I, I designed up a uh, kind of a breakout board that has two of these packages on it. So hopefully we can pump 250 watts out of, of this little breakout board. <laughs> Things gonna be the size of a playing card. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be monstrous.
0: And let's see. Uh applications motor driver servo amplifier synchro excitation hmm. um i have no idea what that
1: is do you know what that is uh, my best guess is it's some kind of uh motor coil that it that it requires a ton of power
0: yeah synchros well synchros remind me of the gears and transmissions yeah um but uh, I don't know what that means in terms of op amps. And then audio amplifier.
1: So I guess you can probably use this as an all-in-one audio amplifier. Yeah, just capacitively couple the output and then just... Honestly, I bet you could just make a, a, a power supply to supply the 40 volts to this mm-hmm. and plug, plug honestly, your, your audio um, input from whatever source, apply the right amount of feedback, and you basically have a single chip 100 watt, 125, 125 watt... watt you know, m- monster here, so.
0: And then, of course, uh, number five on the list is programmable power supply. Huh. So I bet you, um, someone's used this before oh, to make shit. a, uh,
1: silly, stupid power supply. And actually, in, <laughs> the, in the data sheet, they, uh, they have examples of putting these op-amps in parallel for increased current output just in case, you know, you need more More. Juice. You know, we should put,
0: like, four of these. <laughs> We're going to have to supply it with 240 w- 240 volt from the from the utility closet. So here in the states, you don't have 240 uh, most outlets. You have to you have to have another line. Yeah, jump across the lines. Yeah, so you have to have you basically have to have an outer phase uh, 120 volt. Right. And then you get 240 when you combine those two. Well, on opposite sides.
1: So we haven't talked about the one downfall or the one downfall that I can think of right now. Um, in singles, this chip costs almost twenty three dollars.
0: Well, it does everything. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, like, the only thing it lacks, I mean, I haven't checked the datasheet sheet completely, but it doesn't look like it comes with a kitchen sink.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Um,
1: voltage, uh, so you can do 5-amp continuous, then. So it's 10-amp right. peak. 10-amp ten, ten peak, but what uh, in one of the application notes I was looking up for this, when you, uh, they were saying on the... On the, the uh, the parallel operation, you put two of these in parallel, mm-hmm. they could do 15-amp continuous. So I'm not sure how that Yeah, drives, how does that work? But uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of tempted to...
0: Because usually, usually what what it is, they rate the peak is, is what it can do in a transient... For a short period of time, because it's way over its thermal junction rating. <laughs> yeah, right, um, right, right. And it, it but have... it over a
1: short period of time, the, the temperature's not going to rise to a point where it gets damaged. Yeah,
0: I mean, it says 125 degrees C operating. Wow. Yeah, that's really hot. Yeah. Um, I think we're gonna have to have a monster
1: heatsink on these things. Yeah,
0: I'm thinking water cool with a, with dual 120 fan, 120 millimeter fans and giant heater core. Coolest guy
1: you are going to turn this thing on, and then the power will dim in the whole building. Well, the thing that's great about it is we can just program up a, a micro with a DAC on the output and uh, and slap that right in front of this guy, and then you have a full-on controllable power supply. In fact, you know what would be kind of cool is um, it, a uh, digital pot in the feedback loop, so you can not only uh, control the input, you can also control the gain of the whole thing. Oh, yeah, so you yeah, can yeah, you can reduce the gain and get higher accuracy at lower, and then when you need to go up to, you know, say 40 volts at a couple amps, you can pump it up that way. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Parker, you got got some ideas for the front plate on this thing, right?
0: Yeah, so the whole power supply is going to fit into a uh, 4U rack case um, And so to make it look cool, because that's the most important thing about engineering, is, well, first of all, look cool and blinking LEDs.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who cares about functionality?
0: Yeah, who cares about functionality? I mean, uh, so the whole idea is to make it all LED'd up on the front and basically, you know, old school power meters, um, LED readouts, basically make it look like the interior of the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Awesome. Yeah, it would be pretty sweet. Um, If I could make neon tubes work, it would totally have
1: neon tubes. (laughs) Talk about adding noise to your uh, your output, though. Yeah, I would just isolate that part.
0: That's all that's all for show. Like then, you turn it on, and it's just like the border. Yeah, it just the border glows neon. You know when you use cold cathode uh, rope.
1: Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. Have you? Okay, so yes, you can isolate you can isolate those those things. But try plugging both of those into the same power strip. Even if you're isolated, you're gonna get garbage on Asterisk. on your sensitive stuff. They, neon tube spits so much garbage back on yeah. the line; it's it's n- not cool.
0: Yeah, but I actually have an old Budweiser neon sign, and when you plug the thing into the shop, you can hear. It's actually only the far fluorescent tube. Stores so start to go. it doesn't flicker, but it does not like it. Definitely does not like it.
1: Yeah, LEDs are quite a bit quieter yeah
0: and so we're going to be probably the microcontroller we will choose to control it is probably the parallax propeller because one price is an object and two um i actually really like programming spin which is i find well a lot of engineers seem that to be really weird but you know whatever if you like it you like it yeah you like it you like it i like this tool the, the the tools for so
1: cool once well, I have, oh, that stuff's basically design. I copy and paste that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. If you have a backlog of code, then it makes life a lot exactly. easier. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I think that's
0: uh, going to do it for what we've been working
1: on. Yeah. Um, let's go
0: move on to the, the rapid fire question section. Fire. So uh, recently, um, Microchip is uh, buying out Outmel. And so this is, comes after, let's see, uh, this comes after um intel buying out uh altera mm-hmm. and this is a huge deal it's like 3.6 billion dollars mm. something like that which is that's an insane amount of money and the fact that i think it's almost all cash which first of all i didn't even know microchip even had that much cash on hand i guess
1: they're bigger than we think
0: yeah i guess so um so what do you, what do you think about this merger
1: me personally, uh, thumbs up on this. I started my whole micro learning experience with Pix, uh, so I I say thumbs up. It's great in my opinion. What do you think about the? What, what do you think is going to happen with the tool sets? Is it going to merge them or keep them separate? Or? personally, I would like to see a merge because both sides of the of the realms are are so big and there's so many fanboys on both sides. I'd love to see them combined together to make something better than each one of them individually
0: yeah that makes sense um i'm just interested whether or not we'll be able to buy a pic 8 mega 328p (laughs) kind of like a avr with like the peripherals of microchip
1: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) okay so we got that um ftdi gate 2.0
1: so apparently they're messing around with drivers again breaking devices Well, actually, in in this one, they're not necessarily bricking devices. They're spitting back garbage uh, on on the counterfeit chips. Yeah, counterfeit chip found, or something like that's what's spitting out the serial bus. (laughs) This this one's really tough. I was actually reading some stuff about it today. The whole bricking of devices, that doesn't seem like a good move by by FTDI. Just completely shoving people out of the market Mm -hmm. just doesn't seem like a smooth move. Uh, and 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 they they got with Windows and, and updated their driver, so it, that doesn't happen anymore. But now they're spitting out garbage information and effectively breaking them.
0: Yeah, you you basically break any device that actually requires that serial communication.
1: Right, right. So yeah, you're breaking it again. Yeah. Uh, it, is that is that really the way to go? I mean, it's hard because they're trying to protect their investment. They spend a lot of time on it. Somebody is stealing it, and mm-hmm. and and in fact. Uh, you know they, they 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 write cease and desist letters that company disappears, and a new one pops up the next day doing the exact same thing, exact thing same people yeah it's a tough situation i you know honestly, I can't blame them for
0: protecting their investment yeah i I think they should uh i mean, I think it's well within their right to do this, yeah now is it the right way to actually respond uh that's probably not my decision, <laughs> but I would like to see them do something else like if you plug in a counterfeit device. Basically, instead of spitting out garbage code, which could do whoever knows what to that device, it actually just says, you know, it just doesn't work. Or it uh, pops up with a window or something, some notification on the uh, the window side to say, hey, this is a counterfeit device. Please contact your manufacturer to blah, 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 blah.
1: Yeah, yeah, but when it comes down to it, that's 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 wonderful and lovely, but what if somebody buys some com- consumer gear and they plug it into their computer and it says that? I mean, are they really going to go that far? It's, it's kind of difficult to look at it that way. You know, some Joe Schmo just buying.
0: Well, yeah, so if Joe Schmo buys a piece of equipment, plugs it in, and it doesn't work, they return it. And I guess assuming, you know... Most people will be returning these devices and then that gets shoved up the supply chain Yeah. because it won't be Best Buy on the hook. It will be the supplier to Best Buy. And then that that manufacturer will go up the supply chain and figure out what actually happened.
1: That's technically what's supposed to happen. (laughs) Well, okay. I think I have a solution for this. Uh, You ready for this? Oh, yeah. I'm ready for this one. Don't buy crap on eBay or Alibaba. (laughs) Buy from reputable sources. That fixes the problem. Yeah, it does, unless that reputable source gets tainted,
0: which has happened before. Yeah, I, see. I think Digikey got tented, tented, uh, tainted. with FTDI the chips. got bit. I think it was like one chip. I, I have to look it up. It, it was, that? that was a long time ago. <laughs> Digikey buying stuff off of eBay. One. <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise me if it was a return. Yeah, and, and it, then got, it got, got lost in it, the mix. And, and,
1: and got lost in the mix, and then got into someone's order. What What I see What I see is just a giant box, like a huge, like. No, more like a dump truck filled with chips and the guy who has the one bag chip kind of drops it in It's like, oh, crap. (laughs) 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 And just whistles and walks away. Yeah, he walks away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No one will know. No one will know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then uh, this this will not go away either. Solar roadways are making a comeback in France. They're going to build one and it's going to be really, really long. I can't remember the exact distance but it was several kilometers which is Less than a mile. I think like two kilometers a mile, right? Don't make
1: me do math. (laughs) I'm an engineer, man. I don't remember.
0: Where's your TI calculator?
1: Oh, jeez. I haven't touched that thing in a while. (laughs)
0: Anyways, um, so they're going to build a a solar roadway. Um, Last I heard, they built one in somewhere up in Scandinavia area. Yeah, well, that that was a
1: bikeway. A bikeway, and it broke. Yeah. (laughs) Um... So let's put a lot heavier items on it that go faster and are more destructive. Exactly. That'll work.
0: Um, you know, I think in a perfect, ideal world, this works. Problem is, I mean, everyone that like, even drives on a freeway, you always see a car that's broken down on the side of the road or a wreck.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: The moment a car wrecks on this thing, it's going to just, you know, metal on that surface.
1: Yeah. Gone. Yeah. It's it's done. Completely done. Yeah. So so you know okay so, here's the thing that that I think is, is funny about about these kind of solar projects. So everyone gets caught up on efficiency. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. solar panels are X amount efficient, and 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 you can do the academics and you can write down all the formulas and stuff and actually figure out efficiency. But if you think about it, the efficiency is, uh, you know, h- what percentage of light actually hitting a solar panel becomes power? Exactly. Right, so 35% efficiency is, is, is pretty good for a solar panel, mm-hmm. right? But that's assuming that you started by producing the light, or, or you started with a certain amount of light. Really, they're more than 100% efficient if you think about the fact that you didn't have the light before, um, or really have yeah. the power before, and now you have more power. The way we have to think about efficiency is how difficult is it to purchase, to make, to install to, to maintain maintain right that's where you have to start looking at your efficiency as opposed to just like lights hitting it and power comes out yeah exactly so um. so when you start looking at that your efficiency is just in the toilet yeah I'm also wondering is uh
0: you know most time like how often you see uh, someone cleaning a road with a street
1: sweeper not super often yeah and here
0: here in here in, in Houston I, we never see it yeah. I think I've seen like a couple downtown yeah. Like, after, like, a big, uh, like, Mardi Gras. Yeah, right, right,
1: yeah. right.
0: Um, I mean, I've done done solar panel work up in Oklahoma for uh, remote radio stuff. You pretty much have to clean them every month to keep the dust off them. Yeah. Because if the dust, if even just, a, like, a week's worth of dust knocks the efficiency down by half, now you're talking about a road that you have to clean every week.
1: <laughs> right, right. So you exactly. have to add that cost in, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and above and beyond that, you have to think about the economic impact of actually creating these solar cells to put in there. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a trivial thing to go and harvest silicon and create the, the panels and, and mm-hmm. do all that. I mean, so, yeah, great. You make $13 a year on a mile of solar panels. I guarantee you that's a pretty negative return <laughs> on what it took to actually put it in there, yeah. you know? So... Do you have a solution for this? Um, don't put them
0: on the road and put them off to the side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or you know why can't you just put them over the road? Because then it keeps rain off of them. Yeah. Um, I think roads would get dirtier faster. Which might because, of, because there's no rain
1: on them. Well, and and these are in these are in uh, uh, areas of the world that are fairly north. I'm sure they will get. Snow. A feet of snow or a well, foot of snow.
0: But then look get snowed on them anyways and you have to plow them. And then you have to be even more careful about plowing them. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Cuz if you dig that cuz I mean I I I mean if you uh, we don't have it down here of course, but if you go up north you'll see in the concrete where like a snow
1: plow has dug into the asphalt and ripped up a chunk. <laughs> yeah, well, and if you think about it, you got to coat these things with something that is hard yet cheap and easy to apply and clear and it has to be incredibly optically clear yeah. to get any kind of efficiency and scratch resistant right right, right. um and, and impact resistant and it's like the the golden window that you have to design yeah <laughs> well and, and what's funny about this this kind of project is every variable that goes into it makes it worse there's no variable that makes it better, yeah. right? You know, I mean, you just put these things down, hope that power comes out, but everything is against you. On this. Yeah, everything's against you.
0: Again, put them above the roads, then sure keeps the snow off, keeps yeah. the rain off.
1: Um, Maybe we they design little robots that go and clean them every day, something like Like that. little roombas. Yeah, something like that. I got it. What's that? Put instead of rubber
0: tires, sponge tires, and they actively clean the road as they, as everyone drives.
1: That sounds like an absolutely horrible... <laughs> <laughs> the ride would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely terrible. And your efficiency in your car goes down to nothing.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that you have to have like soap applicators on your tires? Yeah, and they, they just slowly just drip, drip, drip on you. And yeah. then clean
1: the, the road. Yeah, perfect. Your tires but, are suddenly going... But then then you leave a film of soap on, on the solar panels and your efficiency well, see, goes to crap.
0: Oh, Then half the cars are just water. Half of them are soap. We make fenders that
1: are a squeegee. Yes, fender squeegees. Fender squeegees. Perfect. Next product. Done. We're making this. <laughs> fender squeegees. <laughs> so I guess, I guess the main idea is that we don't necessarily approve of no, these no, things. No, we don't. <laughs> um, it just doesn't seem like a feasible project. It seems like, okay, great. I love these kind of experiments where we're like, let's try to do something better. Let's think of ways to make mm-hmm. this better. But... Why don't, we, why don't we focus our, our time and our effort and our money into research to making solar panels even that much more efficient, that much more shatterproof, that much more – have a have longer lifespan. I, it just seems like a better use of, of funding.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think that will do it for this podcast. So I'm your host, Parker Doman. And I'm Stephen Craig.
1: And catch us next time on the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. Take it easy.